You're listening to the Co-Creator Network. When you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Good afternoon. Welcome to Why Shamanism Now, a practical path to authenticity with your host, Christina Pratt, director of the Last Mask Center for Shamanic Healing. She's talking about how shamanic skills can bring us to physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being, especially when nothing else can. Now, here's your host, Christina Pratt. Welcome, everyone, to Why Shamanism Now. This is your host, Christina Pratt, and I'd like to call in the helping spirits to be with us here today. So let's begin by reaching out to your ancestors and to mine, to reach out to those who bring all that is good and true and beautiful into our lives through the legacy of those people that have gone before us. We call out to these people who met the challenges of their time with heart and with clear minds and with uh, strong Uh, strong constitutions and were able to figure out a way that could prevail, that could move the energy forward in a way that was good for all living things. And those who had the courage to stop doing the things that were no longer useful, that no longer touched the hearts and the minds of people and of the lives around them. So we call out to these ancestors, those who were able to be good at being the living. And we ask them to be with us, to help us to be good at being the living, helping us to understand how do we rise up to the challenges of our time to bring the clarity of our mind and the strength of our heart and the real power we have as people to address what is needed to be addressed in our time, to carry forward the old ways that still are good and true and beautiful, and to open up to new possibilities that have not yet been imagined. And we ask the ancestors to stand with us so that we can live these lives of the living in a way that honor those who are coming. So with these ancestors gathered round with this great gratitude to them, we also reach out beyond the human ancestors to the ancestors of life. For the planet dreamt of life and life eventually dreamt of humans. And so our ancestors go back from humans out into nature to the planet itself all the way to the very beginning. And we call out to these ancestors to be with us here today, to gather around and to help us to learn and to grow and to be better at being human. And let's draw our energy from wherever it might be into our head, from our head to our hearts from our hearts to our bellies and take a moment, slow down, be still, reach the earth and take a moment and give thanks. Give great gratitude for your life, for all that has been on your journey that has brought you to this moment. Not only those things that you know were great gifts, but those things that still dog you, still follow you around, that you have not yet quite figured out how it was the blessing that is still hidden in its disguise. So we give thanks for that whole journey. We give thanks for the moment and thanks for all that is to come. We have great gratitude to the diversity and the beauty and all the many ways that our journey will unfold here on this earth. And we give great, great gratitude for the awe-inspiring miracle of life. We do know where babies come from, but we still don't really know where life comes from. And we give thanks for that miracle. So with our gratitude pouring out from our hearts into all the layers of the earth, let us reach down to the very, very center of the earth and in the center of the earth. Let us take a moment to feel the essence energy that is dark and still, that is silent. That is all that energy before it becomes things, that potential that is waiting. We connect into that energy and draw up through all the layers of, our, of the earth into our body We draw up this energy that by its very nature renews and restores. The energy that refreshes and revitalizes. The energy that rises up to bring the abundance into our lives and that capacity to thrive. The capacity to heal and the capacity to open to new possibilities. We call this energy up into our body and we give thanks. And let's use this energy to reach down and ground ourselves from our belly to the belly of the earth so that we can choose to take a stand in life and to know what we stand for. And in that place that we stand, let us make a sense of home, a sense of place and belonging. And let us do this in a way that is not limited to only those who look and think like us, but is open to the other, 
that we might actually be challenged to become the men and women we truly came here to be. We give thanks to the energy of the earth for teaching us about connection and interconnection and ultimately the entire connection of the web of life. And may we find our place within it, not remotely the top of the heap, but our tiny, significant and insignificant place in this great web. And may we take our relationship with ourself from that and come into right relationship with others, right relationship with the environment and right relationship with the spirit world. We give great gratitude to the earth for all that we can learn from this energy as we draw it up from our belly to our heart and our heart to our mind and send this energy up and out through the sky above us and whatever weather it holds, out through the atmosphere and all the way out to the highest power of the universe. And let us connect that energy there, our own energy there, and take a moment and connect into this golden energy that brings into our lives this essence energy of blessings. And so as we draw this energy down through all the layers of the cosmos, through the sky, and down into ourselves, into our day, into these proceedings, we draw in this energy of blessing, of protection, and of devotion and generosity. We draw this energy in that brings in the benevolence of the universe and all the wisdom of the cosmos. And we allow ourselves to open in this way to the beneficence of this existence. And we call this energy in from our heads to our hearts, our hearts to our belly, and we send this sky energy all the way down to the center of the earth. And in this way, we open our own center channel to be the meeting place of these two great legendary lovers, the earth and sky, the yin and yang. And we ask these energies to come together in that big love that has given birth to all that we experience here in our life. And we give thanks to that energy and ask it to awaken, to truly awaken our own hearts, that we do not hide and protect there deep in the inner workings of our heart, but that we awaken and open up that crucible of transformation our heart is uniquely designed to be. And we draw up with great courage the passions of our belly that carry in their deepest, deepest longings the sense of why we are here, the desire to find it through this experience of being human. And we call down the crystal clarity of the mind that can look around in the time that we are in and be creative and be innovative and begin to understand. We draw these energies together in the heart and together in this dynamic tension, we find within ourselves why we are here, some sense, some feeling, some memory of why we have chosen to come in to be here now as the people that we are. And may you find in that very same heart the courage to do something, large or small, to bring your gifts out in the world and to make them manifest. And give great gratitude for the helping spirits gathering around to, he to help each one of us in those efforts. And I ask that what needs to be said be said, what needs to be heard be heard, and that these proceedings go forward in a way that is good for all living things. And I give special thanks to you wonderful living things who are able to donate financially to the show. You help me to keep the show alive and on the air. And without your generosity, this would not be the case. And I give thanks, pass on the gratitude offered to you by those who do listen, who do use these teachings in their lives, but are unable for whatever reason to donate financially at this time. I give thanks to those of you who can as well. If you'd like to donate to the show, you can go to whyshamanismnow.com and donate any amount, large or small. It all goes directly to keeping the show on the air. And if you're uncomfortable donating online, you are welcome to email me at christina at lastmaskcenter.org and I would be happy to give you a regular address for a regular old-fashioned check. So just consider that if, if this show moves you in any way, in curiosity, into creativity, into frustration and irritation, however it is that it moves you, you have been moved in the heart. And I ask you to do something, some action that allows this most shamanic of experiences, which is to allow your actions in the world to be motivated by your heart. And I ask you to do something, large or small, to help the show to grow. Uh, to bring the teachings into your journey circles, maybe to learn to journey, um, to begin to engage with the helping spirits in your own life, to share 
the shows that you like um, on in social media, whatever it is, do something that allows you to act on the inspiration that you've been given for this is the essence of this what is shamanism, which is to operate in a human relationship with this non-human energy, the inspiration, the illumination, the movement in the heart that moves us towards actions that are ultimately good for all living things. So I thank you all for all that you do to help me to keep the show free and available to anyone on the planet who can get onto the internet and download them or even just listen. So thank you. We are not live today, but you are welcome to email me with any questions about the show at Christina at lastmaskcenter.org. So the topic today, and actually for the next three weeks, is uh, working with the elements. There is a show already in the archives about working with the elements, but now I'm going to take it to another level of detail. So today's show is about working with the earth element. And as I was getting ready uh, to, to talk about working with the four elements and thinking about the shows and sort of wrestling with information and ideas yesterday, um, I went to bed a little bit frustrated and I had an even more frustrating dream. <laughs> it was very interesting. And in this dream, there are all of these people that I know from my, you know, colleagues from my shamanic life, people whose names I probably know from Facebook or something like that, but I've never met. Um, people I've met but don't know their names and this is a great cacophony of people and they were all shamanically inclined and they all knew what they were doing and there was this big sort of chaotic mess going on and everybody was talking about how they were accomplishing these different things that we were doing and 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 the the frustrating part is people were saying yeah you know I did this ritual and that ritual and this ritual and that ritual and this and you know blah 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 and the thing about it was everybody was talking about ritual as if they were these sort of prepackaged commodities, like using a pharmaceutical to address a problem. That it, that there were, and and what, what was interesting about these rituals in this dream is that they weren't elemental rituals. They had all these different names. So basically they were rituals in a sense that had no true active ingredient in the same way um, – you know, pharmaceuticals have gone to pull the active ingredient out of the entire plant preparation, be it hallucinogenic or not. I mean that that we've gone into these different plant remedies and harvested out what what we think is the active ingredient, and then just slam that active ingredient into people's systems through these pharmaceuticals. And it's an entirely different experience. I'm not saying it's not effective, but it's a very different experience than engaging as a whole human body with the whole body of the plant, all the, the complements of the plant and the different preparations. And so there was a sense of these rituals that had been been stripped of their active ingredient. You know, there was no more fire. There was no more earth, air, water, these, these really powerful elemental energies that are absolutely pure in their manifestation are, are so honest and true to go to in ritual, to drive. I, I see them as the, each one as the engine, the thing that drives the ritual and allows the transformation to happen, that it's coming out of this element that is utterly non-human, non-biased, non-corruptible. I mean, we can certainly pollute them, but the element itself is not corruptible. And um, so I'm in this dream with these people throwing all these ritual names around and so confident and proud of themselves. And it was like listening to doctors talking about pharmaceuticals. And um, so there was no element. But see, the other thing is if there's no element in the ritual driving the ritual, then the energy's got to come out of the person. And that was the other thing I noticed was this sort of fluffing of the feathers, you know, this sort of pride that comes from being the energy that drives that ritual in the human. And, I'll, you know, I'm all about humans working to become better humans, you know, and I'm human myself. So it's not that I'm dumping on humans, but what I do know about humans is that we are biased. We are problematic creatures. And the idea that a human is the engine driving the transformation of the ritual is appalling to me. And so I'm stuck in this dream with all of these wonderful shamanic people going on and on about all of these rituals that have no active ingredient and, and they're getting 
there's more and more pride and, and fluffing of feathers and pounding of chests going on. And then on top of all of it, everyone keeps filling my glass with their, their home brew, you know, their beer, their mead, their this, their that, their sacred sort of ritual brew. And, and, and by the end of the stream, I'm, I'm, I've fallen down and I'm trampled. <laughs> I, I wake up from this dream is going, ugh. But I realized this is why I work with the elements. I love people and their creative mess. I actually really love the shadow work. I mean, I love all of the things that are sort of, in one sense, sort of the worst aspect of people. I love the messes because they're such a challenge. They're such a puzzle to put back together. So I'm not dumping on people. But this is why when I'm doing ritual work, I go to the elements because I want to go to the pure code, to what is simple and in its true complete surrender to its essential self it has power and it has power to help me this crazy messed up complex human to change that and this relationship that has forged itself as i certainly didn't know what i was doing in the beginning but this relationship that has forged itself between me as a human and the elements and this is a big part of the type of shamanism that I teach this relationship to me is 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 the essence of it the the point of it and 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 frankly what we spend a lot of money traveling all over the world to be with um, indigenous shamans in their own environment to connect with without ever realizing how how and why we within ourselves are so disconnected from it. And so the shows, these shows, working with the elements and the element of the earth. So in the time before time, before space, before anything existed, not even anything elemental, there was nothing, absolutely nothing. And for reasons none of us could possibly comprehend, since we are so far away from understanding what it is to be nothing, since we're all about being something. For reasons we could not possibly understand, nothingness, the great, vast nothingness that had no space and no time, dreamt. And out of that dream came a spark and a crystal of ice. And I have told this story many times before. It is the core story in the creation stories of many, many shamanic people and Taoistic people. Grandfather Fire and Grandmother Ice. Here is the beginning of these two elemental energies who are also dreamers because everything born of the dream is a dreamer. And they dreamt. And out of their dreams come the air and the water and out of the dreams of the elements comes everything that we know and so these elemental energies are our most ancient essential ancestors that the fire and the water oh came first and then the air and the earth that these elemental energies came out of this dreaming and it's a dream It's really a dream of love and out of the love, out of the yin and the yang, the fire and the water, comes everything else, comes 10,000 things in the Taoist version of the story. And so here we are with these most ancient elemental ancestors and their energy is so simple and utterly non-human. To anthropomorphize the elemental energies is a grand mistake. And why? Why do the elements matter? They matter precisely because we do anthropomorphize everything. We give everything our own complexity, how complicated we get, how twisted we can get with things, how wrapped up and confused, blind, deaf, and dumb we can get about things, even when we think we're at our best. And that what the elements give us the pathway back to is flow, is openness, is simplicity, is back to this connection 
to the beginning of things before we tied it all in knots. And so this this connection that I begin each show with, this connection to earth and sky, this opening of that center channel is about returning each day through that visualization to the beginning, to the beginning of that dream when it was simple, to the energy of the earth and the sky, the elemental energies, the water, the air, these very simple elements. Because they bring to us this constant and vibrant flow of life out of the dream. So these elemental energies are essence. And as essence energies, the elements offer gifts that we can access through relationship with them. Just as we would access uh, gifts through our relationship with helping spirits or with archetypal energies. And so to work with them is to maintain a relationship with these energies that can then help you in your life and so if you work with them you develop the relationship the more you develop the relationship the more they can help you as with other helping spirits okay so the thing about the earth that's unique is that it is both an elemental energy or an elemental power and it is a spirit being in its own right because we use the word earth to talk about what we plant things in as well as the planet that we live on. And so it's important to recognize that shamans around the world work with both aspects. They work with the earth planet spirit, but also earth as an elemental energy. That that which we ground into, the things that we plant the seeds of a new vision into. It is a place even to go for cleansing. Slow but it nonetheless a place for cleansing as well. And so the the Quechua, for example, in their creation story, see the earth, the planet, as a creation straight out of the great dream, just in the story that I was just talking about. And that the earth is made from gold and silver. So here we have it, gold and silver, fire and ice, you know, these yin and yang. So the Quechua see that the planet itself was made from this essential gold and silver that existed from the time before creation and that they were drawn together from that great dream. So this gold and silver energy is being sort of spun out of that great dream and drawn together and then woven into a fabric that manifests as the earth. I think it's a beautiful story. And manifests the earth then here in the material or the physical universe. So this creation story is repeated every time we work with the sky above and the earth below and we connect to these energies. And this is the core of all of the energy practices that I teach is that we begin understanding our energy not in the complexity of today's life but back at the beginning the beginning of the dream in the simplicity of these elemental energies. So in shamanic healing rituals, the earth element is most often used as the element to drive the transformation of the ritual when we are looking for cleansing, not instantaneous transformation like we would go to the fire or to lightning, for example, but cleansing, uh, slower cleansing. We would go to the earth element for grounding, for centering, uh, for a sense of belonging or beginning anew, these kinds of things. Uh, to restore a kind of connection and interconnection, find, restoring our, our sense of our place in the great web of life. One of the things that can happen um, either when we have really gotten lost in an addiction and have, have – found our way back to to not acting out in the addiction but it's as if we've lost our place in the great connection of things and we need to reestablish our our true self in the in the great web of life that's one reason we might want to do that but another really common reason is um actually living your life in a really kind of high functioning way and then having it collapse somehow a sudden betrayal um a betrayal by uh, work, by a loved one, um, maybe even just by an accident. 
but this sudden feeling that this dream you've really been expanded out into living suddenly collapses or explodes or falls apart. And there's a feeling of being having been in the web of life and then being dropped and needing to come back into it. And so restoring your place in the great oneness of things can be a critical step, a critical ritual step taken in the restoration of our path forward from two, you know, very, very different life experiences. So anyway, uh, the energy of the earth element can be used directly in rituals, for example, by applying earth or even clay kind of as a surrogate of the earth onto the skin, um, and this happens sometimes in different healing rituals for people on, on clients, but it also happens sometimes in initiation processes. Um, another um, traditional and intensive initiation at certain levels of shamanic training is to be buried alive. Um, sometimes buried alive in a place that is silent and um, held in, a, in ritual space where there is a certain kind of ritual going on in that context but sometimes a person is buried alive right in the middle of everything and they are ignored and it and it and and humiliated and peed on and things like that as they're right there in the middle of the dirt of the road and um this is another kind of ritual which is about the death of the ego and opening the person up to truly be able to be the kind of hollow bone type of person that can be um, an intermediary for the people with the spirit world. So we can work with the element itself in our hands, on our bodies, but we can also be work in the element, uh, in, in the earth itself by digging a hole or a grave or going into a cave or into a, a burrow that we've somehow created and being inside of it. And then, of course, another aspect of working with the earth is to do these similar things with objects, with power objects that have been created to carry whatever the energy is. It doesn't, we don't have to necessarily always bury ourselves. I mean, every earth ritual doesn't require digging a grave and burying yourself. I mean, that... That's a, a rather annoying idea I come up against occasionally. Every earth ritual doesn't necessarily involve um, you being in the earth. Sometimes it's whatever we've prepared as the power object. But anyway, um, an example. So a practical example would be I worked with a woman who had um, been given – a great deal of extremely expensive jewelry from her husband and that relationship had become excruciatingly problematic and she retained the jewelry after the divorce but she kind of couldn't touch it and so she we did a ritual to bury it and we buried it in the earth and allowed the earth with the intention that the earth would cleanse it I, with some long time period I don't know a year or more and then eventually in a ceremonial way she removed the jewelry from the earth and cleaned it and carried on. So it can be something as simple as that to as complex as, um, as I said before, burying yourself, um, which can be fairly tricky these days. If you want to try to go to a natural environment, you can actually get to and bury yourself. It's usually some kind of park or or um, wilderness area, and then there's people all around, and people wondering what you're doing and why are you digging, and you know, so it can be fraught with its own challenges. Nonetheless, shamans of many cultures utilize the energy of the earth element directly from specific sites. So there are certain power sites, for example. Um, so they may use specific sites and conduct their healings or initiations initiations in the cave or other land formations where there is a special energy that the um, shaman is drawing on in the healing. So for me, the, the most involved example of this was traveling all the way to West Africa and going on a long journey to a very specific cave to do a very specific ritual of merging with the Contumbly spirit and that this only happened in this – for these people, this only happened at this place, in this cave, in this particular way. And um, 
what was most fascinating to me about the ritual is that you had to walk back to a place where you would meet face-to-face the spirit inside this big cave, inside this big rock that was kind of sitting here on the otherwise vast open area. And yet you were told on the way back that there was a pit that was a, a drop to your death um, and you needed to avoid that. But of course you didn't get to have any lights and we'd never been there before. So that was rather interesting. But anyway, places have their own energy. Places in the earth have their own energy and that they naturally and that shamans have learned to use them. Um, places can take on an energy because we use them. For example, using um, a place as an ancient burial ground. And so both things are, are real and that we need to pay attention to with the earth is the energy that it has innately by its own nature and the energies that it takes on in relationship with us. So the other thing about shamans and the earth is that in many cultures, shamans actually retreat alone into caves or other womb-like spaces to get away from the people that need their help, to get away from the demands, the constant demands on their time and energy and to restore and rejuvenate. And this is a really important thing for in our contemporary understanding of the elements is restoration and rejuvenation. These energies are essential to the earth, earth the planet and earth the element. And that um, air and fire, these energies are more yang energies and they are ecstatic and alive and vital energies, but they burn out, they blow away, they extinguish themselves. And so they do not in their nature... um, restore and rejuvenate they excite they enliven they inspire but they don't restore and rejuvenate and in a culture where a great majority of the people live in a constant state of depletion understanding the earth element and how you could begin to work with it to restore and rejuvenate in your life is is a good question to pursue in your journeys So we think about the earth, the being, in shamanic healing rituals. These would be rituals that call on the earth spirit to connect humans to the teachings of the earth wisdom. And when I think of this, I think of, um, oh, now I'm spacing out on his name already. But anyway, the book, The Wild Heart and The Mother Tongue, that these are books about us relearning deeply the earth's wisdom, not a superficial glossing over of wisdom from the earth that's going to help us feel better about how we're already living, but really understanding the wisdom from the earth that is going to change how we live if we were to really honor it. Um, So when we go to the earth spirit in ritual versus the earth element we're, we're really going for this larger sense of wisdom teachings, how to inspire or guide the practical application of this wisdom or knowledge. Um, another thing is to go to the earth to receive the gratitude of the people for their physical and spiritual abundance in their lives. So the spirit of the earth can be invoked to help people connect to the heartbeat of the earth which can inspire them to connect with the heartbeat of their own body, which can inspire the person to connect through these rhythms to the pulse of life and all things. And so this tuning in to the rhythms of nature and of the earth and of your own heart helps us to slow down out of the rhythm of contemporary life, combustion engines, technology, to slow down to rhythms that are the rhythms of um, the physical world and our physical body. So the thing to understand about the earth is that elementally, earth elementally, there is a correlation between your body, your physical body, and the, this physical element, the earth. In, and so you can draw parallels between how you treat the earth and how you treat your body. You can just look at that. I mean, it'd be a great path of, 
of coming back into balance with yourself and your physical body if you just looked at that. Okay, this is how I treat the earth. I basically ignore it all the time. Okay, so what am I really doing with my body? Right? A lot of people um, commit to going to yoga class and gym and meditation, but they're not actually doing that in a way that they're listening to their body. It's just yet another thing on their schedule as they drive their body into exhaustion. And so that's what I mean by the quality of this relationship with the earth can actually illuminate the quality of your relationship with your body. And the important thing to remember about your body is it carries the wisdom of how to heal, how to be whole, how to be well in the world. That comes out of the body. And so if you ignore your body, you ignore the very wisdom that allows you to stay vital and vibrant and alive and engaged in your life. Now, the thing that to me that's interesting about the earth element is it has a different role when we think about the element as it moves us in transformation. And this is important because we're usually doing rituals to try to transform. And so the earth element in transformation is actually the teacher, which makes sense when you think about how the earth and nature that arises out of the earth is constantly trying to teach us as humans how to live here on earth in a good way. Um, so in the um, Dagra tradition, for example, there's a that's a five-element system. They have an earth element um, and they also have nature as an element and that these um, – so it's really drawing out not only the abundant, essential, elemental energy of the earth, but then also nature as the great transformer. So they're showing us um, that the, the earth as the teacher in transformation is showing us constantly how things really work. So when we focus on the earth element, there are two ways to understand how to work with earth. One is to see our body as the earth element. The earth is the element of manifestation and without your body, you wouldn't be manifest, right? So your body is an aspect of the self and that is all about the manifestation of yourself. To be here now. Why are you here? Where do you stand? These are earth questions. Okay. The transformational process is earth as the teacher showing us how to engage in the power of the heart through the strength of our heart to make things manifest. So in other words, I need to understand earth as an element in terms of my physical manifestation. Where do I stand? Why am I here? You know, what am I standing up for? And when I've established that foundation in my life, then I can very easily turn my awareness to... How do I engage in the power of my heart now through my strength of heart to make things manifest, right? So I can have a very creative heart or a clear heart or an open heart, even a loving heart, but that doesn't necessarily ever get anything manifest. To make, to make your soul's purpose manifest in the world, it takes a certain strength of heart to stand up and do it. And these are all earth elemental energy issues. Okay. So this then begs the question of what is the strength of heart and what do we do with it? I think that there, um, there is no sense of which comes first. In other words, the qualities we gain from working with the earth element strengthen our heart. And our strong heart supports us in cultivating the qualities associated with the earth element. So it's, it's very circular. So there's nowhere to start but just where you are. <laughs> just just begin. So, so the qualities that we come from beginning, the qualities that come from working with the earth element in your shamanic practice, in your journeys, in ritual, the qualities that come in your everyday are grounding, again, a sense of place. It's the kind – a person who has a good relationship with earth element is confident – in themselves, wherever they are. So they carry their sense of place with them. That they are not only confident when they're in their own home or in a certain role at work or in a certain context. That their sense of place 
and and where they stand travels with them. That's someone who has a healthy relationship with the earth element. Okay. From that sense of place then also arises a sense of presence. To to be to be present and in that presence then evolves our sense of sovereignty. Not only am I present, not only do I know where I stand, and am I present, choosing to really be there and stand there in a grounded way, but I am the sovereign of me, my domain, my body. I set the boundaries, I set the rules, and I am responsible for that. My government isn't responsible for that, right? My family isn't responsible for that. Other people outside of me aren't responsible for that. I am responsible for finding my place, filling it, being present in it, being willing to take up space and to understand my own sovereignty and dominion. I mean, there's, there was, there's some interesting things going around the internet right now about the unconscious way that men in a certain entitlement in a patriarchal culture just take more space. And there's interesting images of how that's just happening everywhere on the subway, in you know, normal places in life, without even thinking about it, and and narrowing this, and then how women contain themselves, and um, it's just one example of different qualities of relationships with the earth element. So anyway, there's sovereignty and dominion, and out of this also can come from the, working with the earth element a sense of belonging. And again, like your sense of place, it's a sense of belonging that isn't tied to whether or not you have a good relationship with your family of origin. It isn't tied to whether or not you maintain a relationship with your high school friends. But that your sense of belonging is tied to who you, not your factual history, but who you choose to be as a person in the present moment and what supports you like your ancestors and what is calling your energy out of you like your descendants. So a true sense of belonging, a healthy earth elemental sense of belonging arises out of taking your place in the circle of life between your ancestors and your descendants and bringing your gifts to the world. It has very little to do with whether or not you're, you're in good relationship with your family of origin. And it's a very important thing to understand, especially for people that are adopted or have really shattered families. They struggle with this sense of belonging because they're trying to get it out of something they're never going to get it out of anyway. Um, and so then another, another aspect of the earth element in someone's life is your sense of connection and interconnection. Now, of course... All of these qualities can go into excess, which is why we're going to talk about all four elements and how the elements work together to create a dynamic balance. You can certainly have too much earth energy, but you can also have too little earth energy where you don't know where you stand. You don't have a sense of place. You're not grounded. You don't set boundaries. You're afraid to take space, afraid to take over the sovereignty and dominion in your life, that you never know where you fit in, you never know where you belong. There's a great lack of self-esteem, lack of confidence, etc. You know, so and and um, another aspect of an unhealthy Earth relationship is, you know, it's too much, it's too heavy. The inability to move or take action is kind of a depressive energy. So. So the things that we would go to the earth for and maybe ask spirit to give us a ritual using the earth would be to create a sense of grounding. Now, actually, your groundedness is going to be more strongly cultivated through a day-by-day relationship with the earth from a practice than it is from a ritual. But you... Some people may be so damaged in their relationship with being grounded in the earth that they actually need some kind of healing or ritual to initiate a process, which they'll then lead to a practice that they do day after day. And it is not uncommon in a culture that has a healthy relationship with ritual 
to understand that the relationship with ritual, ritual in a, in, in a certain sense is the least of it. I mean, it actually is the important bit, but it's just this bit in between preparation before the ritual and the follow-up, the, the putting into place of new practices after the ritual. And that, that the ritual is just this moment in between around which the energies are transformed with the help of spirit. But our work is the preparation before and the follow-up after. And so grounding may need a ritual to begin it, but ultimately you need to visualize it every day and send your energy there and put presence. Put your Choose to put your presence in your grounding cord. Visualize it clearly every day, connecting the base of your torso to the center of the earth, your center to the earth's center, and feeling that energy cycling from you to the earth and the earth to you. That seeing this, knowing this, visualizing it, feeling it, putting presence into it is how you're actually going to cultivate grounding. But as we move into some of these other qualities we gain from the earth, we may need an earth element ritual to initiate, to, to prepare for, to participate in, and then initiate the process of really changing our relationship with our sense of home and place and how to create a sense that is not dependent on a physical place or a particular nationality. I know that in in my life, I was actually engaged in an earth element process. I wouldn't call it a ritual, but a process for almost three years of my life in which I was forced by um, decisions around my shamanic life to be nomadic. And I'm not naturally nomadic. For some of you, that's your nature. I get it. But for me, I'm not. I'm actually pretty grounded, methodical, stay-in-one-place kind of person. So to be nomadic was... um, a great discomfort and a great hardship and in the doing of it in the service of the development of my shamanic life it entirely changed my relationship with the earth I went from a relationship that I took for granted because I had been born in a place in the world that was beautiful and earthy with lots of nature everywhere I lived a pretty grounded life as a child free to play outside to be on the earth Um, to be in the natural environment around where I lived, camping, um, sailing, being out in the world. And I took my relationship with the earth entirely for granted because it had been so present and in, in a very healthy way in my childhood that I didn't actually have any intelligence about it. I didn't have any knowledge. It was an assumption. And so when I went to a place like Manhattan, where there was not a lot of earth there for the number of people that were there and is a very different place on the planet than where I grew up, all of a sudden my, my ignorance around earth elementally became apparent. And one of the, the things the spirit world gave me to work with that is to become nomadic, to basically give up everything I had been given by the circumstances of my birth, to give it up and to live differently and to become really conscious of earth and its relationship in my life, conscious of my grounding, conscious of my place, conscious of my home, because I had to take it with me. And um, this was a gr- is a great teaching, actually. And presence is a really important issue today that we gain from Earth because as we engage more via virtually, via social media and other technologically mediated means. And I say that say this with great gratitude because my shamanic community is a non-local community. People are spread out all over. We need technology to stay connected. So I'm not dissing the technology. But presence, how to be actually present together, not just engaged in essentially chatter and exchange of information, but to be present with each other in a shared context, even though we are not physically sharing the same context. This is the greater challenge. It is easier to do with people that actually have a relationship with spirit and a shared cosmology and shared practices because we can call in spirit, for example, before we have um, a gathering that is in virtual reality and work with the spirits in the same way we would if we were physically present with each other. 
Um, but presence, the difference. So right now I'm involved in a situation where there is essentially an argument going on, which is for a certain group of people to be able to lead the community, there needs to be a certain amount of presence, showing up, doing what needs to be done, taking responsibility, accountability, you know, none of the fun stuff, right? And the argument is that if I'm engaged in the everyday activity of the community, I am present. But the truth is, if I'm going to actually lead the community as a whole, I need to be perhaps less engaged in the chatter and the day-to-day of the interactions of the community to, and step back and see the whole thing and to be present with those who are choosing to work with spirit and lead. And so engagement and presence are, are two different things and they're, they're, the gap between them is growing kind of exponentially <laughs> with this opportunity to engage virtually because you can be someone utterly other than who you are when you engage virtually. So then who's present if you're not being yourself? Who is actually present in that interaction? It's very um, interesting complexity that we as humans have added to the mix. So other earth elemental energies that we can go to the earth ritual is to repair, for example, our sense of sovereignty and dominion in our life, especially if you have experienced Um, great violation of your own sovereignty and dominion, not just sexually or physically, but emotionally. Some children are horribly abused emotionally, really violated by the neediness of their parents. And so you may want to establish your sovereignty and your dominion. The preparation for that kind of ritual would undoubtedly be an enormous amount of clearing so that you reestablish your sense of sovereignty and dominion around a a vessel of self that has been purified of all these other people that violated and invaded your boundaries. This can also happen mentally in your view of the world if you're raised in a very dogmatic or fundamental household, be it politics or religion or whatever, or just mundane American mediocrity. But when that's infused in your brain at the expense of your own capacity to think your thoughts and dream your dreams and believe in what you truly innately believe in, then that may need to be purged and cleansed and your own mental sovereignty reestablished. So as you can see, this issue of dominion and sovereignty can take many forms in the different aspects of how we are as a human. So these, what's important about all of this is understanding the relationship then between your physical practices and the earth element. So in other words, in terms of elemental rituals, earth elements are almost always followed by the need for physical practices to, to establish in your physical life the new way of being, manifesting. Because the earth element is about manifesting something new. And so there's almost always the preparation, then the earth ritual, but then followed by practices. So your yogic practices, if you have presence and place in them, your um, qigong and tai chi practices, these daily practices, even if your practice is simply to walk. These daily practices are the way that we reset our relationship with the earth elementally in our life and allow it to move more freely in our life and inform us about the qualities earth speaks to us about, which I've just been talking about. So what can working with the earth look like? So in my student community, we have elemental um, shrines, just like the Dagra, although ours is a four-element system and the Dagra system is a five-element system. The way in which the entire community had a shrine tender that tended each of the elemental shrines, among other shrines, but anyway, each of the shrines for the community had such a ring of truth for me that when the spirit world told us in my community we needed to do that, it it immediately felt right. And so we have these uh, four people who tend the four elemental shrines. And in the beginning, when we started to 
do these things and put these things in place, the the shrine tenders did an elemental assessment of where we were with the elements as a community. They still do that, actually. But in the beginning when they did that, our collective air element in our community was off the charts because everybody was in their heads which is true about a lot of shamanic practice across the board. It can stay very mental, stay in the journey world, in the spirit world, in the thinking, but not really move into the health and well-being of our heart and how we choose to live our life. I mean, And I mean more than just choosing to go to journey circle once a month. I mean choosing how we're going to engage in our life with everything, right? And so in the beginning, in the community, we were way way out of control with our air element and really weak in our earth element in really grounding the practices and how we live which was the whole point at the time and so not only did we establish the four elemental shrines and the shrine tenders but the earth shrine tender um, put a lot of information out in the community inviting every community member to create an earth shrine either inside or outside on their own property or out in the world to create an earth shrine like in a park or something where they walked every day or a place they visited regularly that would be an earth shrine that other people would potentially be at and maybe even dogs would pee on but the point is that we were invited by spirit by sternly (laughs) invited by spirit to have everybody create their own earth elemental shrine to begin to develop our relationship with earth and what the shrine does is it opens a portal to be able to communicate with the element as a being and learn from it learn about what we needed what we each individually needed to do to raise the health of our relationship with the earth And in a very short period of time, even though only a small fraction of the people in the community actually did that, we were able as a group to balance out, to bring up the energy of the earth and down the energy of the air and actually begin to get something done. So it was a very, very profound piece in the development of the student community. However... Maybe you've just listened to the show for the first time. You're not so sure about all this weird shamanic stuff. So one of the ways you can begin to work with the element of the earth is gardening. And that is why so many of you, when I ask you, when you come for a healing session, what do you do to maintain your well-being? You say, I garden. A lot of people say, I garden. And what that is, is a constant ongoing relationship with the earth element. It's a constant um, way of developing your relationship with the earth growing food is another one like just be, like i said before about growing up in oregon i took my relationship with the earth entirely for granted i didn't understand how special it was in the summertime my dad would call my mom on his way home from work he would stop by the stand on the side of the road and bring home whatever had just been picked that day and the fruits and vegetables and that's what we would have for dinner and it, I took it entirely for granted and it wasn't until I moved to Manhattan that I had my first window box and grew herbs in it that I used all the time in the food that I ate and how that began a, con- a conscious relationship with the earth. This was, of course, before I was told to become nomadic. So we can create earth shrines indoors or outdoors. There are rituals and ways to connect with the earth that are about walking on the earth, be they labyrinth walking or pilgrimages like the Appalachian Trail. And there's vision questing, because the vision questing almost always begins with that foundation of the strong heart. Where will I sit? Where will I be? Where, when I then stand up and ask for my visions, right? We can go on the earth. We can go into the earth. We can experience earth on our body, earth and clay on our body. We can ask to be covered and buried. But the simplest, the easiest way to begin is to just go put your belly on the earth. Just lie down and breathe. Smell it. Lie on it. Feel it in your belly. So the most important thing to remember about the earth is to put your belly on it, to walk on it with consciousness in your feet. Within every element, there is the destructive force. 
And with the earth, of course, there is the earthquake and the mudslides. And so what does the destruction piece mean when that comes into your life? And often what it means is that your relationship with the earth element has gotten so extremely out of balance that the earth is shaking to bring you home again. And that earth in its very essence is about our ability to manifest. And so at the very least, remember that when you give thanks in your day for the abundance of all things, remember that abundance arises out of the energy of the earth. It is not, abundance is not dropped from on high like a big food drop from God, right? The earth energy renews, restores, revitalizes, and is the energy that arises to manifest the abundance that we enjoy here on earth. So I give great thanks to the energy of the earth herself, the planet, and thanks to the earth element for its constant teachings. We give thanks to the sky above, to the ancestors that have gathered round us, and we give thanks to the hearts that unite us all. Remind everyone that Masks of Illusion and the Authentic Self is, still has room in the course. It's a very interesting group of people gathering, lots of men and lots of people that don't necessarily identify as men or women. Um, and it's happening August 20th through 25th outside of Portland. And I'm really excited about this new group coming in to the four-year program. Uh, so you can register at the lastmasscenter.org website in, uh, on the calendar. Go to August. All right, everyone. Next week, we'll continue talking about working with the element of the air. And until then, walk with presence in your feet as you touch the earth and have a good week.